Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, your blessings and your mercy and your love towards us in Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that you may bless uh, this uh, new cycle of Sunday School lessons. Uh, help us to uh, discover what uh, sin has done to us. And uh, in order to, as we, as we study about it, we may be able to also cling from you and uh, be aware of uh, everything that sin has done to us and then combated with the help of your Holy Spirit. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, we, as you heard, we are starting a new uh, series on Sunday School uh, because we finished um, Shorter Catechism. Sorry, I was about to say Heidelberg. Shorter Catechism, we finished that. And um, I was thinking what we can do and there are certain things that we can do, and this is one of the things that we are going to do. We're going to do a taxonomy of sin. And uh, uh, for that, we are going to see the seven deadly sins and then compare them with the Beatitudes. Uh, is that, isn't that something Roman Catholic? No, it's not. Um, it's inside the tradition of the Christian faith, uh, broadly speaking. And then uh, um, the reason why this became a thing in the church is because people wanted to know um, the impact of sin in us, how that has affected us, and then how we can walk the Christian life in a way that we are aware of the dangers that we face in ourselves uh, and within ourselves. So that's why it's been traditional and more in the Roman Catholic Church because they, they kind of received this um, more openly. But it's been traditional in our tradition too in the Reform and Presbyterian churches to speak about the seven deadly sins and uh, what does that mean. There is a reason why these seven are the more um, important ones, if you will, because they are kind of like branches from one tree and uh, they are the most prominent ones, the ones that affect us the most. Who doesn't have greed after all? Who doesn't have, uh, you know, desires towards gluttony? I'm talking about 21st century America after all, right? Uh, uh, who doesn't have uh, um, uh, lust and the exploitation that goes behind in modern America? Or anger, right? Traffic is increasing in Montrose. Uh, you will experience it soon enough. Um, so things like that, that we are going to see and how Jesus uses the Beatitudes to uh, kind of give us a map of what is it that we need to move our life toward. So uh, that's just my small apology towards why we are doing this. Uh, again, it's not Roman Catholic, it's something that we will benefit a lot from. But this morning we are not going to see the seven deadly sins. We're actually going to... Uh, uh, see what sin is. Because if we don't know what sin is, then we cannot walk into the other things that we are going to study. And you will be surprised how little we normally understand about sin. Uh, we have a concept, uh, and yet uh, it, it can more, more than just that can be said. And if we don't understand sin properly, then we, we start having a lot of problems with uh, with sanctification, with what Jesus really did for us, and things like that. And there are many errors outside uh, in, the, in the church that stem from 
not understanding Zen properly. Anyhow, uh, where you see in your left column the blueprint, it should be the introduction. I don't know why that didn't get changed. Uh, but as we start a new series in our Sunday school classes, it is important that we have a starting point of what we will study in the following weeks. In other words, if we are going to study the seven deadly sins and the Beatitudes, we need first to know what sin is, which is uh, what I have said. So what is it that we are going to see this morning? Uh, we are going to, first of all, try to understand what sin is. Because normally we think of sin as if it were a thing. Uh, something like there, uh, concrete, like picture it in like a rock or a plant or, you know, um, I don't know what comes to your to your head when you talk, when you think on sin, but sometimes we think about that thing, something that exists, if, if that makes sense, uh, that is uh, material, that is tangible. And, and uh, those are the effects of sin many times, like murder, you can see murder, right? There is a victim, there is a perpetrator, so on. Uh, but you can not always see uh, the desire towards and the planning of murder and, and killing another person. Where does that come from? How is, how is that works? And so on. So uh, I believe that thinking of sin as a thing, you know, of the act, we can see it. It's a mistaken notion. We need to go deeper than that. Um, and, and we tend to think of sin as, you know, a noun, car, baby, boy, uh, house, etc. But sin is not a thing, and we will discover that today. For that, we need to explore the origin of sin uh, first, then the essentials of sin, the diversity of sin, because there is diversity in sin as, as well. And finally, we will be ready to start our study on the seven deadly sins. So after this, we will start with the taxonomy of sin. So, do you have any questions so far? Beatitudes. So, so the uh, the Sermon of the Mount, where Jesus says, "Blessed are the meek and the lowly." Those are called the Beatitudes. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Debbie. Anyone has another question? Okay. So. Here is the question. Um, why are we going to study sin? Can we study something cooler or happier? Something that doesn't make us feel depressed? Um, can, can't we just focus ourselves in something better? Right? Uh, it's like when, uh, when uh, someone told me once, when you want a person to detect which, which uh, um, bills, 150, 20, uh, are real and which ones are false, you want that guy to be expert in the, in the real one, to know it, to touch it and everything, and then he's able to detect the false one. So why do we want to focus so much on something that is evil and bad and, and, and everything else? And the reason for that is that sin is where, who we are. We are sinners. It's our state of being. Uh, we we are, even when we are in Christ, we are still sinners. We still fail, we still uh, sin, we still um, do things that we shouldn't. So we cannot ignore the fact that we need to study who we are. Um, if we are going to know God and know ourselves better, we are to know more about sin and the effects of sin in ourselves. In fact, uh, Calvin says, it is disgraceful for us 
not to know all that pertains to the business of human life. That's John Calvin, book number two on his first uh, big book uh, on, uh, on the origins of sin and Adam's sin and everything. Uh, remember how he starts his book as well. Because in order to know God better, we need to know ourselves better. And if we know ourselves better, we will know God better. And so uh, if we understand what sin is, what has done in ourselves, then we are be more than ready to come to Jesus Christ and seeking his aid instead of thinking we can do it, we are okay, and so on. And then we will understand certain things that happens to us, right? Everything is okay. Day is beautiful. Uh, you know, everyone is, is happy with you. Even the cat, like, kiss you or lick your face this morning. But you are feeling really bad. You are feeling depressed. Uh, where does that come from, right? Uh, it seems to be like a very beautiful day, but you are feeling like, like a dumpster. Uh, well, that's one of the effects of sin in, in our lives. Um, and sometimes uh, that's the only explanation that we have. For those things why do we get sick sin uh, why is it that people get mentally ill sin um, why babies are born with deformities and things like that sin uh, why is it that we have uh, uh, you know um, those wasps that hate us sometimes sin right the result of sin the impact of sin in creation why do the uh, uh, rivers get contaminated sin um, and why do we have big corporations concerned only about um, their profit and nothing else? Do you think Apple cares about you? Right? No. Corporate greed. Sin. And everything we can trace to uh, the, the, um, what happened in eating. Anyhow, I'm rattling too much. So um, if we understand sin properly... Uh, and if we don't, then we have several mistakes that have happened in churches uh, with theologians and even entire denominations. And I have several ones here. Uh, for example, perfectionism. Uh, do you know what that is? Uh, perfectionism is this um, theology that says once you start walking the Christian life, uh, then you need to reach a point where you will sin no more. And then you are a true Christian. If you can prove, you can show that you can sin no more, then you are a true Christian. That is very pervasive in Pentecostals uh, circles uh, with Pentecostal theologians. Like you receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit for a second time when you can start speaking in tongues and everything. That's one of the signs where you know, oh, I'm perfect. I don't sin anymore. Um, and I was talking to John the other day and he was telling me, that uh, there was, he was in a church one day and there was uh, an old man who came to give his testimony. Not that old, I guess. Uh, and he said, praise the Lord because I have not sinned in 15 years. And he was next to his dad or something. And, and his dad said, I want to ask that to his wife to see if that's true, right? Perfectionism. Um, we have that, believe it or not, in uh, reform circles as well. Um, um, and it happens in several places. If you go to certain people in the RPCNA or uh, uh, certain people in uh, the Free Reformed Churches or Heritage Reformed Churches, um, then they tend to have that idea of perfectionism. 
Uh, you need to be perfect, otherwise you cannot come to the Lord's table. So if you can show me, if you can prove me that you have lived perfectly, then you can partake. Otherwise, you can't. Um, worst example of that, Netherlands, Netherlands Reform denomination. If you want to be a pastor in that denomination, you need to show that you are almost perfect. And that's why those guys don't have a lot of pastors. They, they have like four or five or 50 churches, and they are like preaching in each one of them because they don't have pastors. It's really difficult to become a pastor in that denomination. Um, the ones that do is because they have been in mission fields, suffering a lot and experiencing things. And then when they go back to the Netherlands or to America, then everyone is like, wow, these guys have to be the guys because they suffered and so we can call them. Uh, so it's really difficult to convince those elders. Why? Because of perfectionism. This idea of, yeah, we can overcome sin in ourselves. That's what perfectionism is. Uh, and that's paired with the second reception of the Holy Spirit in some charismatic churches and Pentecostal churches. If you are speaking in tongues, if you are receiving signs from the Holy Spirit, that's a sign that you are perfect. So you are good, brother. The rapture comes and you are living with, with Jesus, if you believe in that. Um, then uh, there is another one more pervasive in our circles, and that is uh, pre um, preparationism. Preparationism, And uh, that created a lot of issues in Scotland, and uh, it has created some issues in Presbyterian circles here. The idea goes like this. In order to go to Jesus, if you want to be saved, the first thing you need to do is to forsake sin first. Does that make sense? You need to forsake sin first, and then Jesus will accept you. Sounds, sounds weird, doesn't it? Because what is the only thing that we need in order to, to be saved? Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, come to Jesus Christ. That's it. But if someone is telling you, well, abandon your sin first and prepare yourself, and then if you do enough good works, then Jesus will accept you. That's, that's contrary to the gospel. But that's one of the errors, preparationism. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as if Jesus couldn't forgive your sins, right? Yeah. And then uh, Pelagianism, this is a very famous one, right? The idea behind Pelagianism is uh, Adam and Eve sinned, but they, those guys did it by themselves. Like, I haven't received anything from those guys. I'm still born in a perfect state, and I can choose whether I want to follow God or whether I want to uh, reject him. And so where does sin come from for Pelagius? From society. You learn by imitation. Um, but that doesn't solve the question, does it? It's still... Where does society come, uh, become corrupt, or how does that work, right? Uh, if, if everyone is born perfect, you should have, in theory, a perfect society until society decides otherwise. Um, but where is all of that coming from? Uh, so Pelagian, Pelagianism was condemned as a heresy in the uh, fourth century. Um, so bad. Pelagianism, bad. Uh, Semi-Pelagianism, this is... 
what Roman Catholic Church became by the 12th, 13th, and 14th, and 15th century. Uh, the idea goes, yes, we are sinners, and yes, we need the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and yes, we are saved by grace alone, but not only that, we also need good works. So while you are receiving baptism, uh, the baptism, that water is regenerating you, giving you infusing grace in you, and then after that, it's up to you to walk the Christian life, to save you with your own works. And if you are good enough, then you will go to heaven. That's semi-Pelagianism. And if you are listening to uh, the um, Ask Pastor Christian thing, uh, that's the very same theology that the remonstrants, the Armenians, came to bring to the, uh, to the Synod of Dort, uh, the five remonstrances. Uh, that, uh, you know, we, we are really not that affected by sin. We can actually choose to be saved and and uh, yeah sinners horrible sinners yes but we can still be be choosing what we want uh, so that's semi-pelagianism uh, and then we have another one which is the exemplary view of the atonement of jesus christ and that idea is well jesus christ was just a good example yes he died and he did everything he did but only because he wanted us to follow his example. And as we walk like him, as we do everything that he did, good luck if you want to be crucified, um, but as we do everything that he did, then we are going to heaven as well. Again, uh, that m should mean as well that you need to be crucified, right? And even then, it's not going to mean anything because the perfect sacrifice of Christ has paid for all our, all of our sins. But anyhow, that's another... another um, error that stems from a bad doctrine of sin. Does, does that make sense? Do you have any questions? Um, another one that is very common is um, to expect that you are not going to sin anymore, even if you don't say it in that way. Uh, yeah, I, I promise you, God, I love you. I'm not going to lie anymore. And, and uh, yes, and you just did that, right? Because John says, if someone says that he's not a sinner, then we make God a liar. We cannot escape that reality. We are sinners while we are still here uh, in, in, on earth, um, waiting for glory. There was a famous preacher who went to Ecuador once, very famous, and, and, and they interview him uh, on, for the Christian radio. And they say, Brother Pablo, Brother Pablo, that's his name, uh, he was, he, he passed away. So what would you recommend to Christian people that are listening to you right now? And he goes, I recommend that they dedicate themselves to God so they can be like me, who haven't lied in 20 years. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, all right, you already did it, as you said, right? It's impossible not to lie, unless you think that lying, unless you distort the concept of what lying is, right? So that's my point. When we distort the concept of, of what sin is, then suddenly it becomes easier to say, well, I don't do that anymore. I'm perfect, right? Uh when we don't understand what sin is and what it has done to us, then it's easy to say, yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm perfect. I'm good enough. Uh, we, I'm, I'm no longer on that plane 
of lower Christian people, not on my level kind of thing. I, 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 I walk better. Well, that's pride right there. You're sinning. Yeah. So if we miss our, our conception of sin, we are missing something essential to Christianity. Believe it or not, the concept of, of sin is super important. It's essential to Christianity. Strictly speaking, the Christian belief is founded upon the position of two men, Adam and Christ, of whom, uh, um, though the one were sold under sin, and through the other we are redeemed from sins. That's Augustine. So he says, if we deny that Adam existed and that he uh, sinned, then we are denying Jesus Christ and his salvation as well. So is that foundational? Without sin, without the doctrine of sin, we have no gospel, basically. Think about um, Rousseau. I was about to say Robespierre. No, not Robespierre. Rousseau. He, he is, uh, after Calvin, the biggest Genevan thinker of history, after Calvin. And he is the biggest Genevan uh, thinker because he is one of the ones who started the foundations for the French Revolution, the Enlightenment. And what is his, his idea? is that he, he goes, well, human beings have been corrupted, have become corrupted uh, because of society, because of development. It is this development, these uh, things that we have, cities and uh, commodities, that's what corrupts us. So we need to go back to the natural man, to be like uh, living in nature and, be, and becoming as we were babies when we were good, and, uh, and then we can reject that corruption. And it's even fun because when you are reading him, he goes, oh, I'm so moved for human evil and sin. I'm so moved. There is no one like me because I'm so moved for this horrible corruption that we are enduring. And there is no other like me. So we, we should be like me, really. And we are going to advance and we are going to try to uh, remove everything in the government so we can start anew. And then what happens next with uh, Rousseau's foundations and Robert Spears is that they basically tried to remove everything, but they didn't get rid of sin, did they? Next, they killed Rousseau and uh, Robespierre. Um, so that's another theory that we believe today, right? Human beings are not born sinful. We are all good. What is it that we need? Education, right? If we educate them well, then we are going to be a better people and sin is going to be removed. That's another, another lie. Anyhow, uh, do you have any questions? Is this clear? Why are we doing this? Um, because sin is foundational for Christian doctrine and for uh, our theology and who we are. If we reject that, then... Uh, we don't have Christ. What will happen if we say, well, evolution is true? Let's, let's go there. What will happen to our concept of sin? Well, sin becomes natural, does it not? If evolution is true, if we came from monkeys or amoebas or whatever, and then we became what we became, human beings, then uh, what is sin? Sin is no more than an inclination right? And no more than a natural passion that we already have. And you have two options then. Uh, sin is something that is already in us and you can do nothing 
to, to uh, uh, call good or evil. Like there is no reason why something should be bad or something should be good because it's just something that you feel, you know, uh, called for. How do you say rape or uh, human trafficking or uh, drugs? Uh, how do you call that evil? It's simply a process of evolution. Like, what are you talking about? That's, that's nothing. That's just who we are because we have evolved. And we are evolving with drugs and everything is the, the strongest overcoming the weakest. Right? Um, or, that's, that's one path that you can take. Or, uh, if you believe in uh, uh, guided evolution, God created man in, in, a, in a primitive state and then he guided him to become what he is. If that is the case, then God is the author of sin. Because he made us as, as people who evolve and with passions towards evil and towards good. Um, and he doesn't really know what evil is because he has placed that desire in us. And then God is not good. God is evil too. Can you see like the problems that we get into when, when we accept those kind of things? Uh, but that's another one that we, that we believe even now in our society, do we not? <clears throat> that uh, since we evolved, then how can you say this is bad, this is evil? How can, how can you say, well, kids are away from your reach because that's wicked? Well, you no longer have that option because it's just evolution. I, this is who I am. I just like kids and I want to become a, 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 a sexual predator of kids. But you cannot blame me. That's just what evolution has made me. What do you say when you think just in those terms, right? That's why we argue from scriptures. That's why we need to maintain, no, God created everything good and he is good. And that's what we are going to see now with the origin of sin. Um, uh, so humanity has had, believe it or not, a certain notion. Well, I guess we can believe it because it's part of our um, um, experience. Uh, a certain notion of sin. By their very nature, men are evil and cannot be persuaded to cherish justice. That's Plato. Um, but about the origin of it, where does it come from? It costs... Who made it, right? How did it happen? Humanity is ignorant unless is humanity is illumined by the Holy Spirit and through the scriptures. Uh, Buddhism, for example, considers sin to be an illusion. Sin is rooted in desire. So that's why if you talk to those guys, they go, yeah, I'm meditating to get rid of everything that is uh, desirable. So I don't want to have a house. I don't want to be a good parent. I don't want, I don't want anything. That's the point of Buddhism. You need to get rid of every desire in, in yourself. So then you reach nirvana, illumination. And when you die, you become one with, with uh, the true existence because everything else is an illusion. And when you are illumined uh, and die, then you become one with this existence and then you disappear. There is no more conscience. There is nothing. Uh, just you uh, becoming part of this deity um, that is basically a non-existent being. Uh, that's Buddhism. Sin is nothing wrong. Sin is just desire. And you need to get rid of desire. If you don't, then you will reincarnate again 
until you can get rid of those desires. So existence in that sense is a punishment. Um, does that make sense? That's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the Greeks thought sin and evil existed even in the gods. If you have read, you know, the Iliad or, or those, those things, you will see how, or, or any uh, mythology book, you will see how Zeus is like conceiving with every pretty girl that he sees, right? And how they are fighting among each other because they cannot get each other get get well with each other they hate each other um and and so on so evil the the gods are not good they are taking care of themselves and they don't care about humanity as long as they they serve them there is evil in them as well as well the philosophers thought the sin originated in in uh, ignorance and that's one that is surprising because we have it even today right how do we overcome poverty how do we overcome uh, um, um, teenager pregnancy? That's a famous one, isn't it? Uh, oh, we need to educate them because they are ignorant and that's evil. So what are we going to do? Give them condoms in schools so they can be educated and um, do it without the consequences. Um, originates in ignorance. That's Socrates and our governments today. Or in the fall of pre-existing souls, Plato. So Plato says, um, yeah, evil exists. We don't know where it comes from, but here is my thinking, he says. I, th I believe that we existed before as pure ideas, as souls who were pure, and at some point we messed up. We did something, and now coming down on earth and becoming body, uh, that's, that's a punishment. Uh, that's a punishment. And the church has been a slave of that Neoplatonist and Neoplatonistic thinking uh, for many, many years. Calvin even has that a little bit. He goes like, oh, we are in this prison of the, of the soul. Like, no, nah, Calvin, that's just Plato. But, you know, the church was a slave of that for many, many years. Um, or it originated in nature, that is the Stoics, um, or belonged to human being. Uh, human will, excuse me, not Bill, human will. And that's Kikero. Cicero, Kikero. It's Kikero. <laughs> uh, that's, that's Kikero. Um, so for, for the Stoics, um, sin is just part of who we are, part of the cosmos. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, that's why when something bad happens to you, what is the Stoic reaction? Well, first you don't say it's bad, right? Then you act like nothing happens, right? And then uh, if you act like nothing happens, then everything is going to be well with you because you have uh, conquered your passions, that, that thing that is evil in you, and you have become a, a better human will. If you want to read a, a very fun, like really entertaining uh, discussion about the Stoics, we, uh, compared with Christianity, read Augustine's City of God. I think it's chapter 6 uh, on, on Augustine's City of God. Because he goes like, oh, you Stoics, like you believe you are the best and that you are never dominated by your passions. But what about, and he quotes like a guy who, who is in a boat and everyone is about to die. And he goes, oh, I'm going to die too. And, you know, he's like losing his control. And Augustine says, where was your stoicism? 
weren't you be supposed to be super controlled and cold-hearted and everything? Uh, it doesn't work because we have passions. God has made us in that way. Uh, we, it's okay to feel afraid as long as you trust in Jesus Christ. So it's super fun. He makes fun of those guys. Um, it's, go and read it if you can. It's, it's really fun. For Kicker, on the other hand, um, he says, we are the origin of sin. It belongs to our will. And so it's defined by what we want. Um, but again, that doesn't explain where, it, where does it come from, does it? Um, how does that work? So what do, what do scriptures say? Scriptures are the only source that give us a clear explanation of the origin of sin. True, some myths still remain that speak about the golden age of humanity from which we fell. But those myths are simply reflections and memories of what scriptures speak with, with clarity. Uh, so, you know, al almost every single mythology in the world has a story about uh, uh, an Adam and Eve, a first father and a first mother. But what are those? Those are memories that we have from, from uh, our, our beginning. And uh, wh where we find the better explanation for that in the scriptures, that is God's inspired uh, word. And scriptures speak clearly. Uh, God created everything good. And then he created two guys, um, Adam and Eve, two human beings, to uh, care for the garden, to tend it, to uh, extend his kingdom here on earth. And then something happened. It's not, it's not uh, uh, God, but it's Satan who introduced himself in the garden, tempted Eve, and that's where we failed uh, against God and we sinned against him. And that's the origin of sin in human beings. So it is in that way that Christian theology avoided ascribing the origin of sin to God's creation. So God, God created everything good. Uh, his cosmos, his planet, the Garden of Eden, and even the rest of creation is still called very good by God. So it clearly doesn't come with creation. It's not that, that you like buying a combo, right? Burger, chips, and, and, and um, soda. Oh, creation, good and evil. No, creation was very, very good. Um, and Jesus and James affirms that God creates no evil. He is good, right? Right? Yet at the same time, uh, the Bible maintains that God, the sovereign one, decreed to permit sin or else it will never have been uh, able to arrive and exist in reality. Um, so what Vavink is saying there is that God is sovereign. He is the one who is controlling everything. And in his decree from before the foundation of the world, in eternity past, he has decreed that sin will exist. And he has allowed that to happen. Yet, uh, uh, um, as something that is undesired, that's something that he will destroy at some point. But if God didn't decree it, if he didn't desire it to, to exist, then it will never happen, right? Think about, um, uh, think about the cross. Why did the cross happen? Because we sinned, right? But even before that, doesn't the Bible speaks about Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, being prepared before the foundation of the world to be our sacrifice, to be the one who will give his life for us because we have been elect before the foundation of the world even. So if God doesn't will something, that's my point, then it doesn't happen.
That's my point. If God doesn't will something, it will never happen. Therefore, God willed that sin exist. Does that make sense? Yes. Run. It's a hard one. It is. Yeah. Sure. So uh, the fact that he decrees something makes God the material cause of everything that exists. But uh, but uh, he is not the uh, secondary cause of evil. In other words, God decrees the universe to existence and God decrees us to exist and we do come to existence and everything. And God gives us gifts, right? He gives us talents. He gives us intelligence. He gives us everything that we have in order to exist. He even sustains our life, right? Without him, we cannot exist. We cannot live. If God stops sustaining your life right now, you will fall to the floor and die immediately. That's what I'm trying to say. And in that sense, God sustains you even when you decide to sin. So it's not God forcing you to go and say, hey, go kill a person. No. It's your evil, wicked heart who goes and say, I'm going to kill that person. I'm not saying go do that. I'm just saying this is just an example. Uh, um, and yet God is sustaining your life while you are doing that. In other words, if you have a murderer, right, um, the ability to plan the murder, the genius to not be trapped while he's doing it, and the fact that he is going to do it, all of those things have been decreed by God. But the actual doing it and the carrying out of the murder is carried by your own will. We are the ones who do it. Make sense? That's a distinction between material uh, cause and then the, 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 the actual cause of the thing. Um, another way to explain this is, is in the following way. Uh, when God created us, he created us good. And everything that he creates is good. But then sin comes into the picture and he distorts our inclinations. So think about, uh, yeah, think about my posture right now. God made me in order to be standing in this way, right? Uh, and my body works in a certain way because God designed it and your body is designed to be working in that way. But what happens if you read too many books? Then you start doing like I do, like, like what I do, right? You become like this and, and you need glasses because you destroy your eyes reading. Um, and so on. Um, so is it God's fault that I'm destroying my body, reading too much, while, and, and you know destroying my, my posture? No, my inclination, because I have a book in myself before, before me, is to you know, get closer and try to see the, the, the um, uh, print and try to read in it. And so according to the laws that God has designed for my body, because of gravity, because of the time that I'm spending in it, because of everything that I'm doing, according to those laws, my body is going to start to degenerate. So my, my spine goes like this, right? Is that God's fault? 
No. He designed the laws of nature, gravity and everything. He designed your body to work good and perfectly. And he designed books to be good so we can enjoy them and, and uh, profit from them. But I misuse those gifts. I, miss, I, I don't pay attention to those. So I spend like eight hours sitting down and reading books. And then my eyes waste away. And then my, my spine goes like this. Uh, what is that? Well, that is a misuse of the gifts that God has given me because I don't go, well, I guess I need to stand, walk around, you know, do spine exercises and so on. It's part of the laws of nature. If you put an apple over your table, unless it has propylene glycol, but let's say it doesn't have it. Let's say you, you harvest it from your garden with no toxins or anything. You put it on, on your, on your um, table. How long does it last fresh without re refrigeration? Like probably two weeks or three, if you have AC. Um, um, but if not, it starts to degenerate, right? It gets rotten and you have worms and everything. Isn't that part of the laws of nature? God decreed that there are certain laws in our universe that waste away uh, the apple. And yet, is God to blame for that? No, it's in our nature. We are going to be wasted away because this is how the universe works after sin has been introduced. Does that make sense? It's a difficult concept, I, I know. Uh, but that's more or less how it works. God is the one who sustains everything, and yet we are the ones who sin willingly, and we are the ones who are, are the ones who who go against his will. If God is this hand sustaining your life and you are here standing, right? And unless he sustains you, you if, if I move my hand, it's going to fall. But unless he sustains your life, unless he gives you life to live, you cannot do anything else. And think about sin. So now you have a person who is a sinner, but God is sustaining you. And all that he wants is to do evil. So he's inclined towards evil. And God is still sustaining you in your life, right? God can at any time remove his hand and kill you. And, you know, no more life. Yet he has decreed how much are you going to live. And then he continues sustaining you until you die. But everything that you do, because you are inclined to evil, because your inclination is to go right, in your case, left, in my case, then uh, God is going to sustain you un until you go left, 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 until you die. Unless God, the Holy Spirit, comes to your heart, renews your heart, and suddenly you are inclined towards following God and doing what is good. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Salvation is a change of heart, a change on inclinations, a new disposition of the heart. But yet, God is going to sustain you even if you are doing evil. Uh, here is what I'm saying that. If God doesn't sustain every single existence in the world, in the cosmos, then nothing exists. Even sin, even, even sinful people cannot exist without God sustaining them. Does that make sense? Sure.
Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, if God didn't decree it and will it, then um, it would not have happened. And if we say that God didn't decree it and that he didn't will it, then suddenly God is not sovereign even over evil. That, and that's the issue, right? It does. Yeah. But that's the thing. Uh, sin is not a thing. It's, it's a deformation. So when God creates everything, it's good. So he is the creator of good. But sin comes as a deformation of what God has done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's Aristotelian uh, thinking. Yeah. Dan? Yeah. Yep. And rest, uh, stop restraining him. Because remember, there is a thing called common grace. And with that, he restrains evil. But if God removes common grace, then uh, we become as evil as we can be. Um, an example of that, of sorts, is what happened a year ago in Haiti. Did you see the news? I think a year or a half ago, uh, where suddenly, you know, everyone is okay. And suddenly they killed the president. And, uh, and we were super nervous here because no one imagines like killing the American president. But I talked to Haitians and they were like, yeah, I mean, that happens every day. And it's just the president. But there was riots and there was uh, a lot of, of things going on. And I go, but your country is in, is in havoc. And yeah, it's always in havoc. Like, we burned everything. We burned our crops. We burned our universities. We burned our uh, high schools. And then we go out to the streets to complain why we don't have crops, why we don't have high schools, we don't, why we don't have universities. When there is no common grace, people become as evil as they can be. And that's what happens with, with Pharaoh. Uh, God removes his common grace from him, so there is no restraining of evil. And he's already inclined to evil. So that's why he continues like, no, I'm going to oppose God. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense? You thinking about it? Yeah. This is more of a question, but, you know, but I, I just say, yeah, if from the time of Adam and Eve, we didn't fall, we'd all just be perfect, how would this God have shown his mercy? You know, I mean, it's his mercy. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that God is coming down to earth and making a covenant with creatures who had to obey him no matter what. And despite of that, he comes, talks to them, which he doesn't need to, talks to them, makes a covenant where he promised them something even better than what they are getting at Eden, uh, shows God's mercy still. Because he didn't have to have a relationship with Adam and Eve, like animals. 
right? The animals don't have to uh, obey God's laws. They do it because they have been created in that way. And uh, Adam and Eve, they were created good. They didn't have to be recompensed by God for obeying him. Like what? He, he is the creator. We owe him everything already. So what claim did Adam and Eve have over God's reward? Nothing. Like think about this. Think about your baby child being, being uh, delivered by uh, your wife, or if you're a wife, by you. And then uh, the baby goes, thank you, mom. Now give me a car. Now I want a house. And now I don't want to work never because you are going to give me everything. And I require it. You need to give it to me. They'll be like, what? <laughs> like, shut up, boy. You need to work. You need to grow. You need to earn your own, your own life. Right? That, that will be us saying to God, God, give me everything. God will be like, I have gave, given you everything. But that is not God. He comes down to earth and gives them a special place to live in, Eden, because that, that wasn't in the original part of creation. He gives them Eden, and then he goes, and you know what? If you obey me, if you don't eat of this tree, then I will give you something better. He doesn't need to do that, and he does it, and that's God's mercy. He's stooping down to us. Because remember, God is infinite. He doesn't need us. And yet he comes down to us as if he does. That's his mercy. Um, and, you know, how do we understand God's goodness if we have never experienced evil? Well, we don't need evil to experience goodness. Uh, in Eden, everything was good. And we knew it without evil. So it's evil that needs good to exist, not goodness. Goodness exists by itself. And yes, we can contrast good and evil now because we are sinners and we can know what it is like. But in the garden, we knew it. We didn't, we didn't need evil to say, oh, this is what goodness is. No, we knew it. This is perfect. This is good. There is nothing better than this. And yet, um, we chose evil. Does that make sense? So his love, his goodness, his mercy... All of those things we already experienced without, uh, uh, you know, sin or evil or anything like that. Because that's who he is. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah, but that's after Eden, right? Because on Eden we we didn't need that, but after Eden, of course, His mercy and His goodness become more evident for uh, sinful human beings. Yeah, yeah. But God is His goodness and God is His mercy, uh, so there is nothing in Him that needed to have evil in order to highlight it even more. That's what I'm trying to say. Because um, then we fall in the problem of believing that God needs evil in order to be more glorified, in order to be more 
you know, um, good. He is already the best that he can be. He cannot improve, if, if that makes sense. All right, any other questions? So, um, sin is like a virus. Uh, think of uh, AIDS, and it's transmitted to everyone else. So if you have AIDS, chances are your baby will have it too, right? That's how sin works. It's a virus. Uh, it's a deformation. It's an inclination. It's not a thing. It's not a being. Uh, in that sense, God, excuse me, sin doesn't exist in that sense. Um, it's something that takes us and then inclines us towards uh, doing evil. It's not, it's not that evil, as I said, is strictly necessary because God doesn't need evil. There is not two um, you know, beings, like one good and one evil, and both of them are fighting until we come to a reconciliation of both of them, and finally, good conquers. No, goodness conquers, excuse me. No, goodness is there. It has conquered already. It will always do. And evil just is kind of like this parasite that sticks to the goodness of God's creation to us uh, and, and starts to incline us toward evil. Um, it's like a symbiote, like that alien movie. It comes to you and just like oh, transforms you and you are no longer trustworthy. You want to destroy human beings. That's what sin is. It's like a symbiote. comes to you and deforms you. Think about, as I said, AIDS or sickness. You are all okay, your, your body's working well, and then you get the, 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 the flu or a cold. And suddenly your body's not working well, right? You feel miserable and you, can, you cannot work properly. Your ears go mute and your nose drips and everything. Sin. Uh, that's how it works ethically um, in our souls. We don't work properly because of that. So there is five characteristics that sin has. First of all, it's ethical and spiritual. That is, it's nothing mat material. It's an antithesis to the good. It has no self-existence. It's not independent. It's not an independent being of its own. Think about even Satan. Satan was created good. God doesn't create evil. Satan was created good, but he fell, right? He sent against God, and then he becomes uh, what he is. So it, it's something that has been attached to us. Second is a privation. It lacks everything that is good, like a person who, has been, who being healthy becomes sick and lacks a good, good health. It's a privation. You, don't, you no longer have good health. Now you have uh, a sick health. Does that make sense? Third, it occurs in rational creatures. Uh, that is, uh, people who are... Uh, people endowed, endowed with intellect and will. So that's why we have fallen angels as well, um, because they too uh, fell and sinned. And it's varied, it's multiform, because it has invaded God's multiform creation. It takes multiple forms, although it's a single principle. In other words, as I said before, why is it that our rivers get contaminated? Um, I don't think contamination, pollution, was something that existed in the garden. It's product of sin. Why is it that we have social crimes, right? 
you know, racism, discrimination, uh, um, gangs, right? You grow in a certain neighborhood and people already know, oh, that kid, he's going to become a gang member. Why? Because you have all of those guys living in the same neighborhood. And if you don't become part of them, then you have no life. Where does that come from? It comes from our hearts, but it becomes socialized as well. It expands, it grows. Uh, there are national sins. Think about Egypt. Think about Babylon. Those guys were committing huge sins. Are we going to deny uh, social sin? No, it's there. God calls them out on them. Uh, think about the Canaanites. He says to Abraham, your offspring will go back to Egypt for 400 years. Why? Because the time of the Amorites and Hebusites and Canaanites and everyone uh, has not come yet. So I'm not going to punish them yet. But why does God blot them out? Because as a people, as a group, they have sin socially. Social sin. We don't like that term today because, you know, oh, maybe Christian is too liberal. No, it's a thing, right? Uh, it happens in the Bible. It has happened before. Slavery. Any, anyhow, uh, lawlessness, it opposes the law of God. That's the concept that we have in the shorter catechism here in question 14. What is sin? Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. So that's, that's the final concept. It opposes the law of God. All right, time's up. I'm sorry. Uh, do you have any questions before we close?